0: The scripture for this morning comes from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 1 through 14. I'll be reading from the New Revised Standard Version. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those authorities that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists authority resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Do you wish to have no fear of the authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive its approval. For it is God's servant for your good. But if you do what is wrong, you should be afraid. For the authority does not bear the sword in vain. It is the servant of God to execute wrath on the wrongdoer, Therefore, one must be subject, not only because of wrath, but because of conscience. For the same reason, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are God's servants, busy with this very thing. Pay to all what is due them, taxes to whom taxes are due, revenue to whom revenue is due, respect to whom respect is due, honor to whom honor is due. Owe no one anything except to love one another, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and many other, any other commandments are summed up in this word, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. Besides this, you know what time it is, how it is now the moment for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we became believers. The night is far gone, the day is near. Let us then lay aside the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us live honorably as in the day, not in reveling and drunkenness, not in debauchery and licentiousness, not in quarreling and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. The word of God for us this morning. Thanks be to God. Today we return to the book of Romans in a scripture that seems very appropriate for today. Paul is writing to the Christians in that city of Rome many of which are Gentile Christians and a few who are Jews that are in the diaspora that have left Jerusalem and gone to other regions. At the time, the empire was not Christian and emperor worship was the religion of the day for the Roman Empire. That meant that people were worshiping Caesar as if Caesar was a god and there were many different temples to all kinds of gods throughout the city of Rome. It is in this hostile environment in this situation that we find the church of Rome trying to thrive, trying to share the gospel, trying to figure out how to be, you know, exist and be able to succeed in the midst of this situation. They're being persecuted, they're being treated unfairly, some of them are being jailed and killed. And so Given that all of this is what's going on in the city of Rome, you would expect Paul to encourage them to maybe resist the authorities, maybe to rebel against their oppressors, maybe to rise up in some way. But instead, what we find is that Paul gives us a lesson in civics, in Christian ethics, about how to live as citizens within a society that doesn't necessarily agree with our beliefs or our faith. He tells them, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. He says, follow the rules, for those authorities have been instituted by God. God has allowed them to rule, and resisting them would be equal to resisting God. This is a sobering indictment. It means that God can and will use even unjust, unfair, and evil rulers To further his purposes. And we have seen that throughout history because in many occasions we have seen how when there are oppressive regimes or governments, Christianity actually thrives, Christianity actually prospers in the midst of very difficult circumstances. Paul says, follow the rules. He tells the Christians in Rome that the rulers are not a concern for those who are exhibiting good conduct but rather for those who are being bad. He's basically saying, if you're doing what is good, then you shouldn't have to be afraid. For those who are in authority, then will give you their approval and you don't have anything to be afraid of. He says, on the other hand, if you are breaking the rules, if you're breaking the law, if you're behaving badly, then you should be afraid because the authorities have the power of the sword. They're able to punish those who are lawbreakers. They're able to penalize those who don't follow the rules. If we think about this, this is still true today to a large degree. We live in a society based on laws and rules that we're all supposed to follow. We would like to think that if we follow the rules, we will escape punishment and be treated justly. That the government will not have to enforce and use its power over us if we simply do what we're supposed to do under the law. One of the things that I find most challenging in this scripture is that we know of instances today that show us that there are people who are being treated unfairly even though they are trying to follow the rules that there are times in which people are singled out because of race or other qualifier, that we know that there are times in which people have abused authority and used it incorrectly. When this happens, there is an understandable rage at the injustice and a desire on our part to correct the wrong, to fix the situation, to bring about drastic change. Paul tells us that in spite of these circumstances, though, we should still be subject to the authorities that God has allowed to be over us because of conscience sake. He basically says you still have to follow the rules. Even if they break them, even if they don't do what is right, you should always follow the rules. Why is this? Well, well, growing up, we always heard the phrase two wrongs don't make a right. It was a simple phrase that basically meant if somebody else was doing wrong, that is not a reason for you to behave wrongly or incorrectly. Paul was basically saying that if we want to be part of the solution, we can't use others' misbehavior as an excuse for us to misbehave and do bad things. That this does not give us permission or inspire us to do bad things because that will not lead to a good outcome. He's basically saying two wrongs don't make a right. And you should do the right thing for conscience sake so that your conscience is clear before God that you are behaving correctly and doing right before him. So what does he suggest we do instead? That we follow the rules that we work within the systems that are in place to bring about change in a way that honors and respects authority. He says, pay your taxes, show respect, show honor, pay what you owe, and be subject to those in authority. He says, as far as you're concerned, you follow the rules, even if others don't. We have to understand the context in the scripture again, to understand why Paul would say this to the Christians in Rome. They are in the city, which is the center of the empire, the center of The Roman rule the place where Caesar is hailed as God their mission was to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to make more disciples and to expand the mission of the church to all Gentiles to all Jews to everybody in that city you can't do that if you're dead you can't do that if you get jailed and put away You have to be able to live within that society in a way that gives you the opportunity to continue to witness to your faith and to tell others about Jesus. He wanted Christians to hold the moral high ground in a way that allowed their testimony to speak louder than words. He wanted them to be able to preach the gospel to every citizen by being good citizens themselves. Paul knew that there would be those reading this letter that would want to lash out at the authorities that were persecuting them and killing them for their faith in Jesus Christ. So he gives them some guiding principles to help them to know how to act as members of society. He says, whenever you think about how to act think about these principles that i'm about to give you and remember what your faith is and what your belief is in Jesus Christ he says here are your guiding principles love one another love your neighbor as you love yourself follow these simple rules and you will fulfill the law and you will behave correctly and you will do no wrong and he explains why it be, why this makes sense he says basically If you follow these rules, and we know that Jesus agreed with him because Jesus said this. He said, if you follow two simple rules, love God and love neighbor, you can't go wrong. This is the way to do it. If you're able to love God and love your neighbor, then you won't steal. You won't murder. You won't covet. You will continue to behave towards your neighbor and to those in your society in a way that honors God and shows that you know his love. Paul was saying, if we follow these guiding principles of love based on God's love, then the governing authorities will see that we are a loving, peaceful community of faith. How does this work in practice? It means that before I act, speak, or even think, I need to ask myself, what am I thinking? What am I saying? What am I doing? Is it really loving to my neighbor? Does it really reflect the love of God that I have come to know and experience in my own life? So what Paul is really suggesting here is a self-checkup that we're supposed to perform on ourselves. Look at yourself and see if you really are behaving in the loving way that God would want you to behave. The problem is that we often ignore the signs that we see in our own lives. Have you ever had a check engine light go on in your car and you did nothing about it? You didn't attend to it right away. You didn't stop your car and immediately call your mechanic, right? You continued to drive. You continued to go on to your next appointment. And if you're like most people, you might still be driving around with a check engine light on. Because we know it's there and it's glaring every time we turn on the car. But we have this ability to just ignore it and still go about our business. We do the check. We see the light. But we refuse to change and do something about it. Paul says this should not be so. He says, oh, no one anything except to love one another. Do a check on yourself. Check your love. Check to see if you're being loving. And if you are not, stop right then and there and ask yourself, what would be the loving thing to say or to do or to think in this situation? What would show that we really love our neighbor as we love ourselves? That we really love God above everything else? Too many Christians are running around with their Czech love light still on, not paying attention to how their actions, their thoughts, their words are not loving to their neighbors. It is time we pay attention to how we are loving or not loving our neighbors. Paul explains that our witness is simply too important for us not to be aware of what is going on. He says, wake up from sleep. Realize that the salvation is nearer to us now than when we first became believers. Realize that time is running short. Today, folks, we are one day closer than we were yesterday to our salvation. We are one day closer to the return of Jesus. And time continues to pass and people continue to be lost Paul says, this is no time to behave wrongly. This is no time to waste. This is no time to live in darkness. This is time to live honorably, as in the day, not engaging in activities that waste the valuable time that we have been given to make disciples of Jesus Christ. Paul even gives us some of the examples of what he considers activities that waste our time, which were prevalent in the city of Rome at that time. He says, don't waste time in reveling or drunkenness. Reveling is simply an excessive celebrating, often with drinking and dancing. He's saying, don't party too much. If you're partying all the time, then you're not spending your time witnessing. If you're always celebrating and drunk, then how can you express or share the gospel? He says, don't waste time in debauchery or licentiousness. These are sensual pleasures and promiscuous behavior. He says, "Don't basically, don't practice, don't continue to spend so much time in self-pleasing and self-indulging behavior that is selfish. It's all about you and about what you want. Finally, don't waste time in quarreling. And jealousy. How much time do we waste arguing? We still struggle with this one today big time, don't we? Now that we're online and on social media, people think they have to argue with everything they see that they even slightly disagree with. And don't get me started on jealousy. We can't even seem to be happy for someone else when they receive a blessing. Instead, we often find ourselves reacting with jealousy. Why didn't I get that? Why did they get that? I want that. Sounds childish, doesn't it? But the reality is that so many times that is our gut reaction. Instead of being happy for somebody when they receive a blessing, instead of rejoicing with them when they rejoice, Paul encourages us to basically lay aside all of these time-wasting and unfruitful behaviors. And instead, he encourages us to put on the armor of light so that we can live honorably. He's basically saying, put on Jesus Christ. Make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. In simpler terms, Jesus good, worldly bad. Jesus good of the flesh bad. He says basically those things that would, that would only be for your selfish enjoyment might not need to be the times you spend the most time on, might not need to be the things that you really devote yourself to. He was basically saying put on Jesus, think like Jesus, be like Jesus, love like Jesus, forgive like Jesus, have mercy like Jesus give like Jesus and walk like Jesus the day of our ultimate salvation is nearer today than it was yesterday and it will be nearer tomorrow than it is today let us use our time wisely to give a good witness for Jesus Christ by living our lives showing love to one another By doing what is right before God and being good citizens. By being part of society in a way that helps to bring about solutions and transformation. By being good neighbors that show others that we care about their well-being. Do you notice a pattern? It is about being good. Not in the eyes of society, but in the eyes of God. Not for fear of punishment but because we serve a God who has called us to be good and holy as he is good and holy. I pray that we continue to be an example of what it means to be a good citizen, a good neighbor, a good friend to everyone in our communities. That we continue to pray for them and that we continue to do everything we can to check our love meter, so that we are making sure that our thoughts, our actions, and everything we do actually reflects the love of Jesus Christ. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you that you are inviting us today to check our love meters, to see if we are really behaving in loving ways thinking in loving ways and speaking in loving ways. Help us on this day to continue to be full of your love that we might continue, O Lord, to bring about transformation in this world by making disciples of Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.